Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. On Island Radio, KISL Avalon at 88.7 on your FM dial and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, we're going to hear some songs about that man. We'll get summoned to court, build up some speed, we'll go streaking, and hear a special experimental record. Last week I mentioned that Marlon Hurt, who was part of the Chicago radio act of Tom, Dick, and Harry, later played Beulah on the Fibber McGee and Molly radio show. I was going to play a clip from the show last week, but ran out of time, which is just as well because I'm going to use it this week to introduce this first segment. Here's a bit of Fibber McGee and Molly from March 14, 1944. And say Beulah. That Dr. Gamble will be here for dinner, and we want everything especially nice. Yes, ma'am. I'll fix everything real pretty. <laughs> Do the doctor eat hearty? Well, the doctor has what you might call a bird-like appetite, Beulah. Oh, dear. Yeah, that is if you call an ostrich a bird. Yes, call an ostrich a bird. Look at you. Love that man. <laughs> Besides her fits of laughter, Beulah's two catchphrases throughout the run of the show were Somebody ball for Beulah and Love That Man in response to McGee's gags or jokes. And so here's a set of rapidly rotating records about that man. Do for that man 
He's not an angel or a saint, and what's the odds if he ain't? With all his faults, I know we'll get by. I'll be so true to him, he'll never doubt me. What wouldn't I do for that man? If I could only rest my weary head on his shoulder. I'd close my eyes right there and wish I'd never grow older. I'll never leave him alone. I'll make his troubles my own. I'll love that man like nobody can. I'm just no good when his arms are about me. What wouldn't I do for that man? Oh, what wouldn't I do for that man? Oh, 
songs about that man and one about dat man. We started off with Spike Hughes and his luxuriously self-indulgent decadence in March of 1930 with What Wouldn't I Do for That Man? You heard Max Goldberg on trumpet, Philip Bichelle on alto sax, and Val Rosing sang the Yip Harburg lyrics to Jay Gorney's tune. Helen Morgan, Annette Hanshaw, and Ruth Edding also recorded it, but since it was not uncommon at the time for men to sing lyrics written for a female... Smith Ballou also recorded What Wouldn't I Do for That Man with Frankie Trumbauer's orchestra. The song is heard in the 1930 picture glorifying the showgirl. After Val Rosing, it was Von DeLeith with the Knickerbockers, a Ben Selvin pseudonym, and I Must Have That Man. That Columbia 78 was made June 1, 1928, and I Must Have That Man was written by Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh. That was followed by the Heidi Ho man, Cab Calloway, letting us know That Man Is Here Again on March 3, 1937. I think That Man Is Here Again was written by sax player Edgar Sampson and guitarist John Collins, but Sampson definitely wrote Stompin' at the Savoy. He's never had his own segment on the show, but it's a safe bet that will change with the November 4th show. Can't Help Lovin' Dat Man, written by Oscar Hammerstein and Jerome Kern, was closely associated with Helen Morgan, who played Julie in the original 1927 Broadway production of Showboat, as well as the 1932 revival and the 1936 film version, 
but we heard it performed by Tess Gardella, credited as Aunt Jemima on Columbia 1304, recorded February 14, 1928, the very same day that Helen Morgan recorded it for Victor. Italian-American performer Tess Gardella was born December 19, 1894, in Pennsylvania, but came to New York in 1918. She was introduced to vaudeville by Lou Leslie, who gave her the stage name of Aunt Jemima. Tess Gardella originated the role of Queenie in Showboat on Broadway. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Earlier this week, I had to appear for a jury summons. I spent four hours waiting around, but was ultimately dismissed without being impaneled. Since misery loves company, I think you should join me in court. Here's Jelly Roll Morton.
all to order. Bring the first case in, officer. Come on in here. I'm going to tell the church all about you this morning. Church, you knocked me down this morning. Give me this afternoon. Between 1929 and 1937, a number of different groups made records calling themselves the Hokum Boys, and in 1930, Big Bill Brunsey and Georgia Tom Dorsey made dozens of records under the name of the famous Hokum Boys. We just heard one of them, Courthouse Blues, recorded September 15, 1930. The plaintiff is blues singer Hannah May, whose real name was Moselle Alderson. She was born Moselle Fagans in Bedford, Ohio on November 20, 1904, and recorded under other pseudonyms including possibly Kansas City Kitty, Thelma Holmes, Maybelle Lee, and Jane Lucas. She died in Chicago on February 15, 1994 at age 89. Before Hannah May, it was Jelly Roll Morton and his Red Hot Peppers with the Morton original Courthouse Bump from July 9, 1929. This next recording is a rapidly rotating record, but not our usual 10-inch commercial 78. This is the soundtrack disc to the 1927 Vitaphone short, The Night Court. Vitaphone was one of the earliest systems for sound movies with the separate 12 or 16-inch shellac soundtrack discs and the 35mm film elements synchronized when shown in theaters. 
Most of the Vitaphone short films were produced by Warner Brothers in their Brooklyn, New York studio in the 1920s and 30s. Now, I would enjoy being a juror in this court, and just so you know, this trial is going to last 9 minutes and 22 seconds. Come to order. Your Honor, in answer to the charges of disturbing the peace against my clients, I move that they be allowed to reproduce their review here in court so that you may determine whether they are guilty or not. Proceed with the evidence. Dolly Lewis. You are charged with singing risque songs. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Listen here, Billy dear, that sweet angel child. You know I'm getting wise to all you father guys. Now when you call, you just don't. You can't. 
this review is charged with murdering the Black Bottom. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty!
Just where is this nightclub located? At 249 West 45th Street. Reserve a table there tonight for me for the Midnight Review. tell your right name. I know many of you out there have seen The Night Court, but you won't find it on YouTube. So if you liked what you just heard, I encourage you to check out the three DVD set of Al Jolson in The Jazz Singer, which includes The Night Court and a number of other fantastic Vitaphone shorts as bonus material. At $17.99 on Amazon, it's an incredible bargain. And to find out just about everything there is to know about Vitaphone films, discs, and the process, please visit vitaphoneproject.com. You may have recognized the voice of the slick defense attorney in the night court as that of character actor William Demarest. The defendants were Dottie Lewis as the flapper singer and Joyzelle Joyner as the exotic dancer Irene Tabasco. The tune heard at the start and close of the film is When Erastus Plays His Old Kazoo, written by Sammy Fain, who also composed I Ain't That Kind of a Baby, with the lyrics by Irving Kale and Addie Britt. I haven't had one in decades now, but back when I was in my 20s, I managed to get more than my share of speeding tickets, and having a red MG convertible didn't help. David Letterman was well known for his Connecticut speeding tickets, but exactly 119 years ago on May 20, 1899, the first person to be arrested for speeding was New York cab driver Jacob German, who did jail time for driving down Lexington Avenue at the breakneck speed of 12 miles per hour, a full 4 miles an hour over the speed limit of 8. So to commemorate Mr. German's incredible velocity, here are some rapidly rotating records about speed beginning with Paul Beza's College Inn Orchestra. Thank <laughs> you. 
going to a running commentary on the international speedboat race from the coast of Muchwallop on the Naves. The competitors are just entering on the last lap. Yes, here they are coming round the corner. You can hear them quite plainly. Number nine is leading. Uh, I think it's number nine. There's rather a lot of haze on the knees, and they can't quite... Uh, yes, it is number nine. Well, sir. Uh, number nine is making the pace. It's Finnegan. Look out. He's coming. What's happened to Finnegan? Something's happened to Finnegan. Finnegan's fallen out. No, he's in again. He's out again. He's off again. He's on again. He's winning, and it's Finnegan. Finnegan's won again. The winning man is Finnegan. No, it's not. The winner's Speedboat Bill. Speedboat Bill, he is a naval man. Drives a speedboat like nobody can. Malcolm Campbell and Kate on sandbag. The swab is England for a fishing smack. Speedboat Bill. Off the coast of Inverness, speedboat saw a swimmer in distress. Flung a rope and towed her into shore, but through her back it was his mother-in-law. Speedboat Bill, speedboat Bill, speedboat Bill, speedboat Bill. Speedboat Bill once met a lovely blonde. She told him a sailor she was fond. Bill said, step aboard and come with me. Then locked her in the cabin and went off to sea. Speedboat Bill. Speedboat Bill. Speedboat Bill. Speedboat Bill. I'm told, lots of liquor hidden in the hole. The coast guard told him he had got to stop. Bill was in high spirits and there wasn't a drop. Speedboat Bill was going for a swim. A lovely mermaid fascinated him. She pulled him down beneath the waves with joy. And he cried, Mother, save your wandering boy. The river pleased one day said, Bill alone. You've got to have two sirens on your boat. A siren speedboat only had one sort. A blonde to starboard and a brunette to port. Speedboat took a French girl for a trip. She asked lots of things about his ship. But when she asked him where his bulwarks were, he replied that sailors didn't care. There's Steamboat Bill, written in 1911 by Wren Shields and Bert and Frank Layton, which inspired the Buster Keaton film Steamboat Bill Jr. And then there's Speedboat Bill, which we heard played by the new Mayfair Dance Orchestra under the direction of Ray Noble on October 23, 1931. You know the melody as Casey Jones, the tune to a popular song around 1900 known as Jimmy Jones. Calling the international speedboat race in that recording was Max Kester, who wrote the lyrics, sung by the Three Jinks. Before becoming one of the most popular British vocal groups of the 1930s, they were saxophonist Ivor Robinson, pianist Jack Joy, and drummer Eric Hanley. Speedboat Bill was preceded by Speedy Boy, written by Raymond Cloggis and Jimmy Greer. 
That was Ben Burney and his Hotel Roosevelt Orchestra on March 22, 1928. We started off that speedy set with Speed, written by Paul Bees, not to be confused with the 1929 Speed, written as movie entrance and exit music by Hugo Fry. That was Paul Bees's College Inn Orchestra, recording for Columbia in Chicago on August 25, 1920. The College Inn was a restaurant in Chicago's Hotel Sherman, built in 1911, a favorite gathering spot for local gangsters and politicians. Some would say those are the same thing. Despite the warning earlier in the show not to give your right name, I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all, online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on iTunes as a podcast and part of the Global Community Radio Network. On May 18, 1974, Ray Stevens' novelty song, The Streak, made number one on the Billboard Pop Music Chart. I suppose I could have put together a whole segment around that fact, playing the Naked Dance... Nellie the Nudist Queen, and the Bumblebee Invaded a Nudist Colony, but I have just one record to play on this subject, and it's making its debut on the show. Here are A.A. Gray and Seven Foot Dilly. Such fiddling 
like it before. Boys, I'll take a streak of lean and a streak of fat on that. Now there's a fun record, Streak of Lean, Streak of Fat. A.A. A. Gray played the fiddle, and John Dillashaw, better known as Seven Foot Dilly, played guitar on that March 20, 1930 recording, made in Atlanta, Georgia, by an OK Field unit. And those of you from the South know that Streak of Lean, Streak of Fat refers to salt pork. John Dillashaw was born in 1896, and around 1925 could be heard on Atlanta radio station WSB. He worked for the local fire department and in 1929 formed his own band, Seven Foot Dilly and his Dill Pickles. Now, he wasn't really seven feet tall, but at six foot seven, he came pretty close. Billy Murray and Walter Scanlon, whose real name was Walter Van Brunt, made almost two dozen titles together on commercial records between 1929 and 1931, released on about ten different labels. Back in 2013, I played one of them. Remember? Yeah, Amos and Andy from Perfect 12597 waxed March 5, 1930. They also recorded it by its full title, I Wonder What Amos and Andy Will Do Tomorrow Night, on the Conqueror label. The song was written by William Tracy and Jack Stanley. Between 1928 and 1930, the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company made a series of special records of promotional sales talks, aimed at Westinghouse salesmen to help them sell some of the company's products, including their fully automatic range, refrigerators, and even farm equipment. Well, a couple of months after Murray and Scanlon recorded Amos and Andy, on May 24, 1930, Westinghouse commissioned the pair to record what the Victor Ledgers describe as a special radio exploitation experimental record. Here are Billy Murray and Walter Scanlon. Good evening, gentlemen. Is there anything I can do for you? Why, uh, yes, there is. But uh, first, we'd like to introduce ourselves. This is Billy Murray. My name is Walter Scanlon. We're both radio and recording artists. Billy Murray and Walter Scanlon? Why, I've known your names for years. Uh, thank you. Uh, the reason we dropped in is this. KDKA, the Westinghouse station in Pittsburgh, is broadcasting a special record we made. And we'd like to hear how it comes in. Oh, we hate to bother you, but... Uh... Why, not at all, boys. Delighted to help you. And say, you're in luck. We've received a shipment of the new Westinghouse radios, and they're the last word. I have one up, and I'll tune in KDKA for you in a few seconds. New Westinghouse, eh? Well, that's the daddy of them all. I, I remember back in 1920, during the Harding election, uh, Westinghouse gave the world its first pre-announced broadcast. The election returns from KDKA. I, I heard that over my Areola Junior. <laughs> I had one too, Walter. I guess we should thank Westinghouse every time we draw a paycheck. I'll tune it in. No, that isn't it. Ah, here's Why, KDKA Willie, now. Willie, well, Willie, that's Willie, us, Willie. Walter, that's I, us. I'm surprised Listen. at you. Why, the idea of slapping that man in the face. Well, well, he insulted me. Impossible. How could anybody insult you? He asked me if I was working. That's perfectly all right. You should be working. Why, everybody should work. But I am working. Well, that is news. Uh, where is you working? I works in a factory. What kind of factory? 
brick. Oh, I see. Uh, the factory makes brick. No, the factory is made of brick. I know that, but what do you do there? Just work. Work at what? Our bench. Well, uh, what do you make at the bench? Uh, six dollars a week. But uh, what does the factory make? Uh, they won't tell me. Why won't they tell you? They're afraid I'll ask for a raise. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, uh, you said you worked in a factory, didn't you? That's right. Well, now, uh, this factory manufacts, uh, man well, that is, they, they make something, doesn't they? Yeah, of course they do. Well, then, what does they make? Uh, goods. But what kind of goods? Oh, yes, good goods. But what kind of good goods? Uh, the best. Oh, the best of what? Uh, them goods. Well, if for the last time I'll ask you, what does the factory make? Uh, they won't tell me. Now, why won't they tell you? They're too stuck up. Oh, they is. Well, uh, what's they got to be stuck up about? Oh, what they make. Well, what does they make? Mucilage. Oh, why didn't you say so in the first place? I couldn't think of it. Uh, by the way, Willie, uh, how long have you been working there? I start tomorrow. Westinghouse Radio, KDKA, Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, <laughs> well boys, what do you think of it? Why, that's the best reception I ever heard. I never thought we'd come over the air as clear as that. Sure was great. It's the best reception I ever heard. And I'm a radio man. But it's not surprising. Why do you know that Westinghouse made the first receiving sets that went into the homes? Made the first inaugural broadcast at the time of the Harding election? The first intercollegiate football game broadcast? The first ship-to-shore broadcast? The first broadcast of time signals? In fact, Westinghouse pioneered radio in the home. Uh, that's probably the truest thing you've ever said. You know, uh, every radio artist is uh, vitally interested in radio sets because, well, he's at the mercy of every set that receives him. His act can only be as good as the set itself. Uh, we usually refrain from commenting on any particular make of radio, but after hearing ourselves over that new Westinghouse set, I'm ready to go on record as saying that we couldn't ask for any better luck than to always sound as good as we did over their new set just now. Well, that goes for me, too. And uh, we want to thank you for your kindness. I'll know the kind of a set to get when I get my new one. Well, you're entirely welcome, boys. Drop in again anytime. Always glad to see you. Goodbye. 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 If you ask me, they sound more like Moran and Mac, the two black crows, than Amos and Andy. But there you have Billy Murray and Walter Scanlon from a special radio exploitation experimental record commissioned by the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company, recorded by Victor on May 24, 1930, to promote Westinghouse radios. The radio salesman was played by Milt Francis, and the KDKA announcer was Ralph B. Austrian, who also played the bit of piano music. A Westinghouse Ariola Sr. in 1922 cost $65. In 2018, that would be $926.25. I think I have time enough to squeeze in one more record, and since we mentioned Amos and Andy, here's Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians with their February 23, 1938 recording of The Perfect Song. The Perfect Song was composed by Joseph Carl Brell, and there are words which were written by Clarence Lucas.
Glenn Robison, and you've been listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. Mm-hmm.